0: Hello and welcome to HBC's M5 Podcast. That's that time of the week where we talk about yesterday's message, the music, ministry, missions, and anything that's on your mind. And I'm your host, John Wilson. And I am here, as always, with our communications director and audio engineer extraordinaire, Rebecca Smith. And I'm joined by special guests, Pam Keats, who is our uh, front office education financial assistant. And if you call the church, you get Pam... Uh, say hey to the folks Pam
1: hello good morning
0: <laughs> and and also our uh, wonderful director of missions Megan Rainier say hey to the folks Megan good morning and we're we're doing a little something special and I do have to apologize because most of you guys are hearing this it's probably uh, it's probably Tuesday we had a little technical difficulty yesterday but we're gonna start in on a little bit of a series spending time with our staff and Uh, and sharing some of their testimonies of how they came to know Christ. And I really got to thinking about it after uh, yesterday's uh, message, or or Sunday's message in John chapter 3. In the very end of that uh, chapter, uh, we we didn't get to spend a ton of time on, but I just wanted to bring it back to everybody's attention. If you're listening at home, Uh, in verse 31, uh, John says, "...he who comes from above is above all, and he who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way." He who comes from heaven is above all, and he bears witness to what he has seen and what he has heard, and yet no one receives his testimony. But whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son, and he has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, and whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God remains on him and and it just got me thinking that you know something that we don't get to do often is uh, is is use a user format like this a, a public forum to share as a staff as leaders within the church uh, how we came to know the Lord and you know all of us have a story behind that a way that God um, inescapably revealed himself to us and uh, in a moment where we trusted and believed. And we spend a lot of time talking about uh, discipleship and our and growing in our faith. And those those are critical. And it's one of the things that happens uh, in an amazing way at HBC. But apart from the Lord acting on uh, our lives and calling us to, to him, uh, we wouldn't have any ability to grow in our faith and to be discipled. And so that's what we want to do. We would just want to get together uh, over the next couple of uh, podcasts and, and share some stories, uh, the, the, the things that you don't always get to hear from our staff about how they came to know the Lord and how they're growing right now in their faith. And so uh, let, let's do that. So first up, I think, uh, I think Pam volunteered to go first. So Pam, uh, tell the folks at home how, how it is that you came to know Christ.
1: Well, I was, um, like so many people say, I was raised in a Christian home. Um, I was adopted at six weeks old and by two very loving um, people who were Christians. and they raised us um, as as Christians um, to believe in God's Word. And um, on Sunday mornings, I was there, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. Um, all the programs, we, we did it all. My father was even an interim choir director for a while. And, um, you know, we just lived the American dream. And it was, it was a great upbringing. Um, so um, we were going at the time to a church in Raleigh. We lived in Raleigh, we lived in North Raleigh. And uh, we were going to Emmanuel Baptist Church. And the pastor there, um, his name was Reverend Holt. And uh, my parents always made, made my brother and I sit on the front row. I don't know why, but we always <laughs> had to sit on the front row. And because um, my parents were in the choir and I think they wanted to keep an keep eye, an on, eye us. on you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we were in the front row and the pastor had been preaching for several weeks on how God pursues us and how he loves us and how... Um, he sent his son to die for us. And at nine years old, uh, that's how old I was at the time, um, it just kind of hit me hard that someone would die for me. Yeah. You know, I'm sure I had heard it before, but maybe just that Sunday, it just, it just resonated with me. And um, he had been talking previously about hell and the fact that, um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And we need to choose today. Today is the day of salvation. So I just remember, like, the Lord prompting me. Just it was almost like I remember getting standing to my feet and walking forward, and not even, not even thinking about it. Just like someone was pushing me up there. Um, so you know, I got saved that day. Baptized the next week. Um, it was a very celebratory time during that time. My parents, you know, I remember we went out to eat and it was just, um, grandparents came and all that. And then it was like nothing after those years, you know, from the time I was nine until, um, till I left home, you know, when I was 20 years old and got married, um, there was no discipleship. And um, I didn't even know that's what I was missing. Mm-hmm. So I just thought, you know, I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. I'm going to heaven, which I would. Um, but as I got older and got married and had children, I knew that there was something more. So I started coming to Hephzibah. Um, when my oldest son was six and my youngest son was four. And I sat in on a Sunday night Bible study. And I just remember sitting there. I was sitting there by myself because my husband at the time wasn't saved. And so I came to church probably for a year um, and brought the kids. Um, So I was sitting there, and he, you know, was talking about how you can open up God's word and God can speak to you and you can apply you know, all this to your life and everything. And it was just so foreign to me. And I thought, I should know this because I'm saved. But I didn't. And it's because all those years I I wasn't discipled. Um, So a couple months after that, I rededicated my life. And it changed my life, the fact that I could actually open up God's Word. And He could speak to me. And I could understand it and apply it to my life. And so that was just a very pivotal time even though I was saved at nine um, when I was in my early 30s and rededicated my life that's when I really understood what being a Christian was about um, the fact that you know there's life in um, in God's word and that we can apply it to our life
0: yeah you know that's It's such a wonderful, I think, thing to share with folks at home, Pam, because, uh, I, I think, you know, you, you said so well, like you remember at nine, it, it just striking you that somebody would die for you, right? That, that Jesus himself would, would die for you, not because, you know, not because he ever sinned, but because you're a sinner and because you needed that. And yet, um we also we also need to walk with him like that that's mm-hmm. i think the thing that i'm hearing uh, is that we need to walk with him like he wants to do so much more than just die for us of course that's the, we we could never save ourselves we could never provide that salvation for ourselves and he wants that relationship with us and he wants to usher us into an eternity in heaven but that's not the only thing that he wants to do he wants to he wants to walk with us in this life and he wants to teach us his Ways and and he he wants us to love him not just not just in the ever after but right now today and I, I love I, I love that what are what are, what's something that God has been showing you I mean that's been uh, just a few years ago now um, what's mm. something that God has been showing you uh, you know as you've been walking with him
1: well um, you know I think when you're filled with the Holy Spirit you know that there's more you know that you do need to have a relationship with Christ, you know that there's always more. Um, so I would have to say that as I've grown in my walk with the with the Lord, that I have become more kingdom-minded um, to get up every day, to have my quiet time, and to know that I'm his hands and feet. Hmm. And that that's why I'm still here. and That's why he called me. Um, that's why he's kept me. And to know that you know the the preteens that I teach on Sunday mornings, it is it is my responsibility now because I, I know what I know to teach them what I missed all those years, and that's what I try to do. Yeah,
0: I mean the the group of kids that you spend your time with on a Sunday morning are roughly that that same age that you were when you mm-hmm. made that decision, and to be able to to walk with them and to to show them that you know they don't just have a savior that that wants to save them they have right. a savior that loves them and wants a relationship with them and wants to walk with them day by day that's that's an awesome mm-hmm. that is an awesome privilege pam
1: it is i love it
0: so megan you know over to you i i, I know that that's uh I know because we're we're re-recording this uh, since we had a little trouble yesterday, but I know that that's a, a little bit of a different story for you than uh, than your own story. And so, why don't you uh, why don't you share with the people how it is that you came to know Christ?
2: Okay, so I was raised in the north. I'm from New Jersey originally, and um, as many of you know, life there is very different than life in the Bible Belt. Um, <laughs> so, I was raised by. Um, Wonderful parents. My mom and dad were wonderful, wonderful people. They were moral people. Um, They loved us and they did the best that they could. Uh, We went to a Methodist church when I was a child, and I really don't remember ever hearing the gospel. I don't remember an invitation at the end of a service. Everything was very rote, and um, it was more like just. We all followed the bulletin, and we recited the things, and we, we recited the prayers, and we did all of the things kind of as a, um, just as a method. It really wasn't um, personal at all. It was about Jesus, but I don't, don't really remember it necessarily um, drawing my heart to him. And when I was 10, my father was diagnosed with cancer. He had um, malignant melanoma. And our life from that point on um, was marked by that, that journey through cancer. And um, as my dad got sicker and struggled a lot, um, a friend of mine invited me to her youth group, and it was at a Nazarene church. And, you know, as a young, as a young girl, I did not understand the differences between churches and denominations. Um, I did know that I wasn't Jewish or Catholic, you know, like some of my friends at school, but I went to this youth group and it was really the first time that I heard the gospel. And I was in a really hard place in my life personally because my dad was dying and my youth leaders were wonderful and they shared the gospel with me. And I believed it it wasn't hard for me to believe in Jesus because I had heard about him my whole life, but I did see him in a completely different way. And I did see my need for a savior, but truly what I wanted from Jesus was for him to save my dad. And it took me a long time to realize that. I thought that I wanted him to save me and maybe I did in a way, but I really wanted him to save my dad. And so I was I prayed to receive Christ in that, in that Nazarene youth group with some very faithful youth workers. And I was baptized there, um, which was very different from the sprinkling that I had received, you know, as a child. And I can distinctly remember, and I didn't share this when we recorded yesterday, but I can distinctly remember the day I was baptized. I left after that service, and I went to the hospital, and something in me, just felt like my dad would be better. I don't know, I can't really explain that. That seems so foolish now. But in my heart, I felt like I had done all I could do. And when I got there, they were talking about discharging my dad, and my heart leaped because I thought, "Oh, this is, you know, the Lord is gonna save my daddy. Um, But the reality was they were gonna send him home with hospice because there was nothing else that they could do. And so it was shortly after that that, um, you know, I stood in my parents' bedroom and watched my dad pass, and my faith was not, it just wasn't enough to hold me up um, in that grief and in that time, and our family was devastated. Uh, My mom was, you know, very, very heartbroken, Um, and she struggled, she struggled a lot um, in the days and months after that. And um, she was very, very, um, I don't really know how to describe it. She did the best she could. She loved my dad very much. And um, she would she would say things sometimes to me, like if it wasn't that you would find me, Megan, I would go into the garage and turn the car on and put the, put the door down. Um, and I understand that she didn't want to live, but it gave me so much fear that one day I would come home and my mom would also be gone. So those were just really hard years. Um, My dad died when I was 15. And my high school, you know, time was very tumultuous because of that. Um, But God is so good and he just kept pursuing me. And I'm very, very thankful for that. It was later on in my life after um, I was married, I got married at um, 19. And Kevin and I both had received and prayed for salvation in our youth. Um, But at that point, we really began to read the Bible together. And um, we just prayed one night in our room. We just decided we were done playing games and we we knew we needed Christ. The conviction of the Holy Spirit was there. And we both knew that we needed to um, rededicate or recommit or um, make a fresh start. Um, put a flag in the sand in that moment to give our lives fully to Christ, and we have been on that path ever since.
0: Hmm. Hey, you know, I think that hearing this again, I think the thing that um, that just that just strikes me is that um, as tough as those those days were, as tough as that situation is of, of walking through that with your dad, that. We have a Lord that that loves us enough to reveal Himself to us, even in those difficult circumstances. Right? Even in even in that situation, He's loving and He's getting our attention and He's calling us to Himself and He's wanting to, He is wanting to be that firm foundation when everything that's around us is is crumbling. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, I think that. Uh, for many folks we could look at our lives and just say that there's just been there's been difficulties and but those difficulties don't change that God is good and in fact he is good even in those difficulties and mm. and he wants to he wants us to run to him mm. he wants us to trust him he wants us to love him and he wants to show us that he is uh, enough, and it's painful. I think sometimes yes. to find out that he is enough, but on the other side, we get this great joy of knowing that we have this unshakable hope. Uh, one of the things I love that you said, Megan, is just you talked about you and Kevin both, and I. You know, this is something I just know from seeing you guys. You, you guys together as husband and wife said, "You know what? This is this is enough. We've made." We've made a commitment to Christ. We know He has saved us. It's about time that we we start to follow Him, and we start to obey Him, and we start to love Him with our whole lives the way that He has loved us. And I think that's a I think that's a special thing. Tell me, tell us a little bit about just what what does that mean for you guys now? What does that look like as you guys seek to follow Christ together?
2: Uh, Well, we were the we were sort of the um, oddities in our family because. you know, when Christ saved us, our lives changed drastically. Uh, we, were, we were so different and we lived differently. We raised our children differently than, you know, than we had been raised. And um, just, we didn't know how to follow the Lord. We didn't have that modeled for us. We weren't sitting on the front row and our parents <laughs> weren't, you know, in the choir and leading us in that way. And so, so much of our relationship together and with the, with the Holy Spirit was just us stumbling and fumbling through it, mm. um, and I can remember reading in Psalm, um, not not very long after that moment where we prayed that night in our room, that God says that He's a father to the fatherless, and I thought, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna cling to that Lord. Yeah. I need a father. I desperately need a father. I had I had been so uh, far um, away from anything that my father would have would have wanted me to do, or um, anything that my God would have wanted me to do, and he has been a father to me. I was I was the age that my daughter Ellie is now when my dad died, and I can even remember the year that I turned 42. That was the year my dad passed. He was only 42 years old, and there was something very surreal about living longer, being older than my father ever was, but um, the Lord has really just helped us. Um, we have messed up and stumbled through it so much, but We have just tried to press in, uh, together as a couple and to lead, um, our family towards Jesus. And, um, we have not done it well most of the time, but (laughs) we have loved the Lord and he has been so good to us. He has loved us so, so well. He has been that father to both of us. Um, my husband had, had an alcoholic father and that's a whole other story, but the Lord has been our father Mm. and, um. He's been so good to us.
0: Yeah, it's such a, uh, man, it's such a beautiful picture because I, I do think that's, you know, and it's thinking about, you know, my own testimony is like, I remember, you know, growing up in church much like, much like Pam. And, you know, if the doors were open, we were there. I, my dad was, my dad was a deacon. But I, I remember like hearing people talk about the Lord as, as if he was real and, like as if he was just somebody they were talking to and could hear from, and and I remember thinking like, this is weird. This does not. This is not. That doesn't happen to me. And it's exactly what you're. It's exactly what you're talking about. Is that it's not just that the Bible tells us that he is our father and we're meant to to cling to him in a fatherly way. No, no. He is, in reality, the perfect picture of a father, and he wants to be, that father to us. And and I never. You know that that was something that took me till I was an adult to really realize. You know, when I was when I was twelve, I made a decision to follow Christ, and uh, and in fact, if if I remember right, I think the same day my younger sister, you know, also came forward and decided to follow Christ. She came forward first, and then me after, and we were baptized. and And I remember, you know, uh, I, I remember having a really clear idea of who Christ was and my need for salvation, and and I feel. I feel strongly, like and biblically, that that I was saved, you know, that day when I was twelve. But I, I never, you know, discipleship, you know, like you said, Pam, wasn't a big part of the culture of our of our church. You know, it wasn't something that we necessarily did in in our homes, and that gave me a lot of opportunity to just live for myself. And that's really, you know, that's you know, really the next decade of my life was just me, my selfish. Decisions, you know, choices that I would make that had negative impacts on myself and also everybody that's around me. I don't think that anybody would have looked at my life and said, "There's a person that, uh, you know, you know, believes in Christ," or "There's a person that even believes that that God is real and that they're going to have to pay for uh, their their consequences, the actions of uh, of their sinfulness." And, th- and that really, even though I clung to that decision, you know, uh, I think. I don't remember a night between those that decade that I didn't that I didn't pray that I didn't talk to God. It it didn't change anything about my life. It didn't change anything about how I was living. And fast forward that uh, that decade or so until I was about uh, 23. That uh, that Hannah and I uh, had been dating. We moved back uh, to uh, my parents' house. Actually, we um, eventually got married. We moved to Wendell and. Uh, you know, we had Noah and I, I started to, I started to recognize that there was something missing, something that was a part of my life. You know, as a dad, I'm going, okay, what, you know, what are the things that my parents did? What, how do I need to raise my kid? I don't have any clue what I'm doing, uh, most days of the week. And so you start to just look to your childhood and go, what, what should I be doing? And so we, we started visiting some churches, but I, you know, honestly, I don't know that I really was excited about the prospect of, you know, getting up and going to church on Sunday morning. I mean, what I remember from being a kid is that you had to wear long pants and black socks, and you know, all that sort of ritual behind it, and, and none of the none of the relationship. And so um, Hannah actually got connected with Hepzibah's. Um, uh, it used to be MOPS, now is uh, now is M three but with the mothers of, of preschoolers and began going to that. And that kind of got her into going on Sunday morning. And there was a time where she was getting up on Sunday morning and taking the kids to church. And I was just, you know, laying around because that was a great time to not uh, to not do anything. And again, it still didn't look like um, it didn't look like the faith that I had professed the faith that I was even telling her that uh, that I had. And so uh, it wasn't long after that, that uh, through the work of the relentless work of the Holy Spirit and also uh, my wife, that, uh, that well, I started coming on Sunday mornings. We started digging into the Bible. I'm grateful for the preaching of God's Word that shows us the things that uh, that we need to see, right? It doesn't replace our individual ability to, to study, but sometimes we need the preaching of the Word to convict us and to show us where um, we're not obeying what we're professing to believe, uh, and it and it wasn't long. It wasn't long till there was a moment, just just like you said, Pam, where um, you know I, I could feel the Holy Spirit pushing me, you know, out of my chair, and knew that I needed to make a decision, and I needed to live for the Lord, and I need to I need to obey Him in every aspect of my life, and um, you know, Hannah and I walked down that. Aisle, and you know, for me, it was a commitment in my heart to do what I've already said. I, I believe to, you know, I'd already been baptized. I'd already received that forgiveness, but I wanted to live for the Lord. I wanted Him to change the way that I looked at everything. Um, and for Hannah, it was it was a first time uh, believing. And so to watch my wife be baptized, and then to watch uh, the Lord just change our lives. Um, I, 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 that that is the most clear thing to me is that we are entirely different people than the two kids who uh, in college uh, fell in love and decided we were going to try to make a go of it, but just full of uh, sin and rebellion and difficulty, and to watch the Lord just, um, just change those things. I mean, there's so much of our testimony, I think both of you guys would agree, that there is an instantaneous change, and then there is also just the things that he just whittles away the hard parts of your heart, little by little, and you and you kind of look back and you go, "Wow, like I am not, I'm not that person anymore." <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lord. That's what <laughs> Pam said. Thank you, Lord, that I am not that person anymore. And uh, and and since then, he has just been doing amazing things. You know, that day when we walked down that aisle to to join Hepsibah for Hannah to profess faith for me to to make a commitment to live for the Lord. I don't think that I could have, I don't think I could have expected that he would do the things that, that he is doing now and that he would use me in the ways that he is using me. But, uh, but over time, little by little, it, it, you know, I started teaching a connect group when my, when my connect group leader left, uh, I, when somebody, when there was a call to go to the mission field, I, I went with friends just to be supportive. And, and with that, he started to stir in me a desire for the nations and a desire for missions and to help other people see that. And then over the last, you know, four or five years of just growing discontentment with the things of this world that has, you know, led me to, to leave behind a, a, a career. Um, you know, the things that when I was 23, um, you know the things that i thought would make me happy for certain right having a wife having kids having a great job making uh you know a good money and a, and a career path those were things that if you'd have asked me i would have said yep that is the american dream that is exactly what uh i'm after and you look around and the lord has just shown you how just empty those things are uh without him and so uh you know just he grew in me, this just dissatisfaction with the world and uh, and a desire to want to serve him with my whole life. And I'm grateful. And, and I think that's probably you guys' story too, is that uh, sometimes we wish change would happen faster, but we probably we probably couldn't stand it. And he is a good father, Megan, just like you said. And he wants to, he knows exactly what needs to change and he wants to change it when it needs to change. But when we look back at it, I think I said this yesterday when we recorded this the first time, it's kind of like, it happens slowly and then all at once at the same time. Like it, it is he is slowly working on us and then you look up and you're like, Wow, everything is different and, and he has transformed me and he has put my hope in something that is so much stronger than anything this world has to offer. And I, I really hope for the folks listening that this has that this has been a blessing. Um, I, I, we want to continue to doing this over the next couple of weeks, uh, letting you hear from different members of our staff, because at the end of the day, we believe that the gospel is the only thing that has the possibility to change our lives. There's a lot of self-help stuff out there. There's a lot of do this and do that, but we don't believe in be- behavior modification. We don't believe in just do better. We believe that Christ uh, not only wants to Uh, save us. Not only did he give his life to save us, but he also loves us and he wants to lead us and he wants to change us. And the Bible tells us that God is in the business of transforming us more and more into the image of Christ so that we might know life and life more abundantly. And so I hope that's what you'll hear over the next several weeks is stories of life and life more abundantly. If there are specific people you want to hear from, drop us a note. Hit that button uh, on the podcast. Tell us who you want to hear from, and we'll do our best to get them in there and ask us questions. And don't forget to subscribe. Tune in next week, and we'll see you then, church.